welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am so happy to have you here with me today and I hope you're ready for another great episode. I seriously can't wait for you to listen to this one and I will introduce you to our guest right away. But first, I just thought I would let you know that I am still traveling. I'm not home yet. I am still in San Diego and kind of all over, not all over, but in various places in California as well. I am very lucky to have so many friends here in California. So I did attend my conference in San Diego, and now I am visiting some other friends living in some other places nearby. So that's what I am up to for the next week. I will finally get home next week, but I am just loving my time traveling, but obviously missing Penny and Scott and my family back home. But if you want to tag along with me through social media and see what I'm up to, definitely head over to my Instagram, Meg the RHN. That's where everything will be posted that is up to date about what I'm doing while I'm traveling. And I'm just really excited that you have also joined me here for today's episode. I'm really excited to introduce you to one of my really good friends, Edie. You are going to absolutely love her. She just has such a compassionate, loving tone and she's just seriously one of the most kind and caring friends that I have, truly. Her and I met over Instagram. I don't even know when, but we have been following each other on Instagram for a while now and just have become really great friends. So I'm excited for you to get to know her. She's a health coach and she has also overcome a disordered relationship with food and is now at a place where she loves empowering other women on body acceptance and just having a healthy relationship with food and their bodies. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode with Edie and you can find her on her website and on Instagram, Wellness with Edie. So let's welcome Edie to the show. Edie, welcome to the podcast. I am just so excited to have you on sitting here with me today. I wish it was in person. I know we were just saying that, but I feel like this is as good as it's going to get for the time being. I completely agree. Meg, thank you so much for reaching out and having me on your podcast today. It's such an honor. Like you said, I wish we were sitting down together, but 
this will just, this will do for now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I will head down to, or yeah, down to Denver mm-hmm. and see you guys. And there's so many of you in Denver, like we were just saying, and it'll be such a blast to hang out with you in person. But we have been connected through social media, particularly Instagram for years, it seems. And I just absolutely love following you. I love your message. There's so much goodness for us to talk about today. Um, And I'm just excited to even get to know you better throughout this next hour. So that's exciting. But for everyone who isn't familiar with you, can you give us a little intro on yourself? Yes, absolutely. So I am originally from Northern California. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. I moved out to Denver over 10 years ago, which is crazy that I've already been living here for a decade. Um, So I consider myself now almost a native to Colorado since I've been here for so long. But I ended up out in Denver for college. um, And I went to the University of Denver, small private school. I figured I would move back to the Bay Area after I graduated, live in San Francisco, work for a startup, probably live in a very, very tiny apartment. Um, And in a lot of ways, I actually ended up doing that here. So straight out of college, I, um, I ended up interning for a magazine here in Denver. I also got involved in the yoga industry. Um, I went through yoga teacher training, yoga sculpt teacher training. So it's not vinyasa, but it's, it's sort of, in ways it's similar, but it's yoga with weights. So it's sort of more of a boot camp style yoga. So I did that um, and for a hot second thought that I would end up teaching yoga. And I ended up getting hired with uh, this tech startup here in Denver. I did that for a little over three years and about a year and a half in, so this would have been my mid twenties, I got really, really burned out. I've always been interested and passionate about women's health and wellness. And as I'm sure we'll talk about, I went through my own journey in terms of um, finding my body set point and just having a more relaxed approach to food and exercise. And all of that sort of culminated when I was working for this tech startup because I got really burned out and I started thinking about other career avenues and other opportunities. And so I decided to go back to school to become a holistic health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. The great thing about IIN is I was able to go through the program while I was still working um, and just complete all those classes online. And it wasn't taking away from my full-time job, which was nice that I was able to still make money at the time. But all along, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my credentials. I thought, well, maybe I'll end up getting into corporate wellness, or maybe I'll end up like doing a little bit of health coaching in the office. I I did not foresee in any capacity leaving my job. But one thing kind of led to another, and it was as if the universe was really pushing me um, to, to leave my job and to start health coaching full time. So I did that um, about a year and a half ago, I started health coaching full time. And for me, health coaching has been so rewarding. It's been so challenging. I help women who have hormone imbalances like PCOS, which is what I have as well. I help women who have amenorrhea. Um, I also help women who are just trying to make some either subtle or some very major lifestyle changes. And using my experience coupled with my nutrition training, um, I'm able to help empower women to just really find um, and spark joy in their lives. 
Um, and it's been really rewarding. So long story short, I am still health coaching. I'm not doing it quite as much as I used to because I also work for um, a talent agency. We work with food bloggers and I, I run operations for them. So I'm doing that essentially full time. And then I'm also health coaching. I'm doing some freelance writing um, and I run Wellness with Eating, my blog, which I need to be better about posting more frequently. I'm posting about once a week at this point, but it is a goal of mine for this year um, to be posting more on my blog. So in a nutshell, that's a little bit about me. That's who you are. And in <laughs> regards to your blog, I think once a week is awesome. <laughs> okay. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's, I, you know, I, I tend to put it on the back burner when things get really busy. And I do really try and strike, you know, a chord with work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I think we live in a day and age when being busy is so glorified. And I really try on my Instagram to, um, to even take a break and to show people that it's okay to not post on your story every day or to not post on your feed every day. And I have that same mindset with my blog where even if I can carve out the time for it, if my body wants to rest and read or watch Netflix or go hang out with a girlfriend or, you know, go for a walk or something, I'm going to prioritize that because I would rather do that for my own mental well-being than try and type out, you know, a 500 word blog post just because I feel like I need to post on social media. For sure. So So it sounds like you're very in tune with what your body is wanting and how you go about living your life. And I love that about you. I love watching your stories and seeing that you took an entire weekend off. And then you will sometimes like catch us up on your weekend, but later after you've actually been present in the moment. So it sounds like you're very in touch and in tune, which I love. But as you mentioned before, it probably wasn't always that way. And you have your own journey of where you kind of came from and where you are today. So I would love to hear more about that for sure. Absolutely. So I grew up this, you know, really stems back to my childhood. Like I grew up in a household where we ate dinner as a family every single night. My siblings and I played sports, but we ate everything. My parents did a lot of cooking, but we would also get takeout pizza or Chinese food or eat you know, Betty Crocker cookies, like we ate everything. And when my parents talked about food, I feel really grateful that, you know, they never made us clear our plates. They never said, oh, you need to, you know, they would maybe say like, make sure you eat your broccoli so you can have your ice cream tonight. But it was never in a sort of derogatory way or anything like that. Um, They really empowered my siblings and I to eat what we wanted and to have, you know, a very normal relationship with food. Fast forward to college, when I was a junior, I left to go study abroad. And right before leaving to go study abroad, my long-term boyfriend and I decided to break up. So he was my he was my high school boyfriend. He was my first kiss. Um, and when we broke up, I naively assumed, well, I'm going to go study abroad. He's going to go study abroad. And we were doing long distance at the time. So he went to school on the East Coast and I ended up in Denver. And I figured in the back of my mind, well, we'll probably just end up getting back together after we study abroad. And of course, that's not how things played out. And when I went through this breakup, I, so I was A, dealing with the breakup 
and be dealing with living in a foreign country away from my family, away from school, away from my friends, just away from this lifestyle that I had created in Denver. And it was such a, um, it was, a, it was really difficult, I guess is the best way to put it. And I immediately turned to food and exercise as my coping mechanisms. And I think that the reason why I did that was because those were two things I could control. I could control my movement. I could control how much I was eating, but I couldn't control all of the sadness and grief that I was feeling from this breakup and also just from being away from my family. So around this time was also when I found healthy living bloggers. And I put that in quotations because until that point, I didn't know the difference between a fat, a carb, and a protein. Like I went until pretty much age 18, 19, being very naive to all of that. I think probably in the best way possible because it allowed for such a um, a wonderful childhood in terms of my relationship with food and my body. Um, and so when I started reading these healthy living bloggers and you know seeing that they were not eating bread or eating very low fat or eating you know no dairy or whatever it was and seeing seeing images of what these women looked like I thought well oh well what if I try that and then I will look like them. So it was just this like serendipitous time when I was going through this emotional breakup, found these healthy living bloggers and completely changed my lifestyle, started exercising for the wrong reasons. I started eating foods that I knew would essentially make my body look a certain way. And I thought that it was going to bring me so much happiness. I thought that in doing these things, it would heal me emotionally. And all it did was make me so miserable. And, and I suppressed this for so long, even when I got back from studying abroad and, you know, my parents saw me again and immediately were like, how can we help you? Like, what's going on? I, I said, oh, well, you know, I, I was living with a, I, so I had a homestay when I was living abroad and I sort of blamed the food situation on my homestay, which in retrospect, honestly, the, the food really wasn't that great um, in the homestay, but it was a perfect excuse for me. When in fact, I was doing this like as essentially self-harm. Um, and so very long story short, I had um, a couple, my very close friends and my sister essentially say, you know, you, you need to spend time to work on yourself. Um, and again, this is when I had, I had returned from studying abroad. I had come back to school and at the time I was president of my sorority I was taking a full load of classes. I was working part-time. I had I had no time to work on myself. But looking back, being so busy was just an excuse for me to not focus on myself. Um, and, you know, I vowed after I went through this time period of healing my body, I, I vowed to myself that I would never get to the place um, or get to a place where I'm so busy that I'm neglecting to take care of myself. So important. I I can't preach self-care enough. And I know that self-care is so like trendy I know. nowadays. It's trendy. And which is so frustrating. It's frustrating <laughs> but I think- for women like you and I who really, really like 
love self-care and, you know, (laughs) want to empower others with the true education around it. Yeah. Right. right. Keep going. Keep going. (laughs) So, so yeah, I think that, um, after to kind of circle back after I had my close friends and family come to me and say, we think that you need help. Um, I am a very, I'm a very stubborn person. I'm, I also tend to be fairly independent. So as soon as, and I knew all along that I needed to work on myself. I knew all along that I needed to, to start eating more food and to start exercising less. And I, I never counted calories um, or macros or anything like that. I just had a very black and white relationship with food, foods that I would let myself eat because they were deemed healthy. Um, and then foods that, you know, were on my, my no, no list, if you will. So, um, you know, bagels and pizza and pasta, that type of stuff. I just, I wasn't letting myself eat. So once everyone came together and, and said like, you know, we, we want you to, to get better. I was able to take that upon myself to do the work without a lot of outside help. Um, They really lit that fire for me, but it really wasn't until I met my now husband. So a few years after um, I started this journey of healing my relationship with food and my body, it really wasn't until I met my now husband that he really helped me get over that hump. And it's so interesting because when we first started dating, I would, I would, for example, make dinner at home and then I would, you know, go to hang out with him after we would have dinner. So that was a way for me to control what I was eating. But the more time we started to spend together, whether it was having dinner together or going out for breakfast or lunch or whatever, I started to notice how much of a normal relationship he had with food. He would eat all of these foods that were on this like off limits, like list for me. and with his help, once I really opened up to him about my past, which if I, if I could give anyone a recommendation who is currently struggling with um, their relationship with food or their body, it would be to just confide in one person. All it has to be is one person that you tell that you're struggling and that you want help and it can change your entire life. And it did for me with him because I was able to tell him what I had gone through in terms of how I treated my body with food and exercise. And he was so encouraging. Like he would order pizza and we would sit down and we would have pizza together. Like I would make, I would make a salad and he would order the pizza and we would have salad and pizza together. And it was, it brought so much joy back to my life to be able to a enjoy these foods, but also be able to sit down with someone else and not feel like, oh, well, I need to to just eat a salad. Like you can have your pizza and I will have my salad and we'll sit here together and things will be quote normal. But mm-hmm. in all reality, they weren't, right? Right, um, yeah. And I think so many women can relate to this. Yes. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm so thankful that he did have and still does to this day have a very normal relationship with food. And we've really been able to meet in the middle Now, when I cook, it's a combination of foods that are comforting and satiating, but also that make us feel good. I think it's so important to to try and find a balance. And finding that balance can be hard sometimes, absolutely, but be able to, um, to really eat to your cravings and eat intuitively, but in a way where 
maybe you, if, and if you are at this point, great for obviously for, for some women, they are at the start of intuitive eating, or maybe are, um, haven't started it yet, or are, are, you know, interested in learning more about it. Um, but eventually to get to a point where you can actually incorporate gentle nutrition. Mm-hmm. So to incorporate, you know, those healthy fats that you need and eating enough carbohydrates. Um, and that's what I try and do with my husband. You know, we, I've, I've taught him how to build a balanced plate. Um, like I said, it doesn't happen every time, but it's just been so wonderful to be able to, to eat the same things as him really, mm-hmm. I guess is sort of what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that is, that's my journey with, with food and, and exercise. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk more about hormone imbalance stuff later, but yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I have a lot of questions, but first I just need to comment on the fact that when you did come back from studying abroad, your family knew that you needed some extra help and some support and loving, which is absolutely incredible because often, um, we see like other people giving positive reinforcement to weight loss, body changes, that sort of thing. So it's really incredible that your parents actually knew that you needed help. I feel really lucky. I So what's interesting in you bringing that up is I received that positive reinforcement when I did start to lose weight. Cause I grew up very, uh, I grew up an endurance athlete. Like I played uh, soccer. I ran cross country. I swam. So swimming, I actually ended up almost swimming in college. Like I was, I was very, very like muscular and very built and I'm only four eleven, So like I'm, I'm very petite, but I had a lot of muscle. And as soon as I started to lose some of that muscle, which was never necessary at any point, but as soon as I started to lose that muscle, that was when I had girls in college comment and say, Oh, like, what are you doing? And I would say, Oh, well, I'm, you know, eating this way and I'm, I'm exercising this way. And it was so unhealthy. And I think a lot of women struggle with that. They receive this positive reinforcement and that just fuels their fire to continue to exercise or eat a certain way until they get to a point where they've clearly gone too far in the opposite, in the opposite end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what did your kind of journey towards health look like again? Maybe some of the big um, blocks that really helped you besides having like a solid support system. Yeah, that was, that was so key. But I think, again, I had my own um, my own drive just stemming from, like I said earlier, being a very stubborn and independent person and also just not wanting to disappoint anyone. And that can go either way. Right. But for me, I hated seeing my family so upset. Um, not, not upset in the sense that they were mad upset in the sense that they just, they wanted me to be happy and they wanted me to be healthy. Um, and for me feeling like I was disappointing them, if you will, that broke my heart. And that really was like all the fuel that I needed. But I think it is important for anyone in this journey, 
is really to figure out what your North Star is. And I talk to my clients about this in terms of your health journey. So whether your North Star is getting your period back or getting pregnant, or maybe your North Star is um, being okay with eating a bagel or something like that, like whatever your North Star is, it's so important to establish that early on because you sort of want to think of that as like the lighthouse that's out in the distance. And maybe you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there, but you know that it's there and you can see it. And to be able to come back to that lighthouse or that North Star, that intention every single day is so motivating. Like I wrote it down every single day that I just wanted to essentially regain a healthy body. I didn't necessarily know what that looked like, but I just knew that I wasn't healthy in my body and I wanted to have a healthy body. and it didn't happen overnight. And that's the other thing that I remind myself of and remind my clients of is that Rome wasn't built overnight. You have to remember that when you are, I mean, and and whether it's related to health or any other life journey that you're on, maybe even related to your own career, it doesn't just happen overnight. These things take a long time and being patient is so important and continuing to take steps in the direction that you want to go is so important. And the other thing with progress too that I've learned, and I'm sure you can relate, like it's not linear. Like you have days where you take, you know, a few steps forward. And then you also have some days where like you take a few steps back and that's totally normal. And you have to give yourself grace. You have to give yourself that self-compassion. And I, I, I did that all the way, like through my recovery. And even now, like, you know, if I have kind of an emotional day for whatever reason, I just give myself that grace because I'm like, you know what? It's completely normal to have a kind of shitty day, you know? Yes. yes. I'm just like nodding my head (laughs) to all of this. First of all, the fact that our journeys take time, right? Where like whatever journey you're on and wherever you're headed, it is going to take time to get there. So I know you're familiar with my story. I'm currently on a journey of getting my period back and I have girls DMing me every single day saying, did you get it back yet? Did you get it back yet? And I'm so grateful for their love and like their interest. I'm truly grateful. But at the same time, like I've been without a period for a really long time. So, I mean, I've just started really committing to getting my period back in September. And And it may take, here's the thing, like it may take until September of 2019 for you to get back. It may take even longer. I think that this is something that I see often with my clients and I've, I've done it with myself too, is we want to put a time frame on everything. We want to say, oh, in three months, I will have gained back the weight that I need to in order to menstruate or in six months from now, I'm going to accomplish X in terms of my um, relationship with food and my body. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with putting a time frame on it, but you have to remember that life is unpredictable. The future is unpredictable. You may get your period tomorrow. You may get your period in 
an hour. Like we have no idea, but if we hold on so tightly to this time frame of, oh, it has to happen in three months. And if it doesn't happen in three months, then like there, you know, there must be something wrong with me. That's not the case. It's in, it's in the universe's timing. It's in God's timing. It's in, you know, whatever you want to believe, but it's out of your control. What is in your control though, is you taking those steps every single day to the best of your ability and to, to commit, like you said, like just in September was when you decided I'm going to commit to this. And as I know from just reading your posts and knowing who you are, like it hasn't been easy, but like your North star is getting your period back. And at this point you're like, I'm going to do whatever I need to get it back. And it's going to happen when it, when it wants to happen. Yeah, you are such a beautiful person inside and out. And I could just (laughs) chat with you forever. And there is something that I want to go back and talk about is you made a comment earlier about how you went through your basically your entire childhood without knowing what a carbohydrate or a fat or a protein is. And then we come to learn what these things are as adults. And sometimes that can really rock us in a negative way as both you and I experienced. But then something else that you and I have in common is that we actually studied nutrition Mm -hmm. and also repaired our relationship with food and have a very loving relationship with food now. So I would love to talk about how we can still have this knowledge of carbs, proteins, fat, something that like really was not healthy for us before, right? This knowledge Mm -hmm. really affected us negatively before, but now we still have this knowledge, but also a healthy relationship with food. I would love to hear you talk about that. You know, it is, (laughs) it's so interesting that you bring this up because some days I wish that I was still in that naive, like childhood mindset where I didn't know about how to build a balanced plate. On the flip side, I am so grateful because I now, for the most part, can walk away from a meal or a snack feeling very nourished and very satiated because of the knowledge that I have. Additionally, I am using food as um, a tool to help heal my PCOS. And so again, I'm, I'm so grateful for the knowledge that I have. Also, I've been able to help my family members with lifestyle changes and helping them understand not how to read a nutrition label per se, but more so how to understand ingredients in processed foods and to teach them, you know, that it's great to have some carbohydrates before you exercise And then after you exercise, like build a balanced plate with those fat carbs and and protein. Um, But I think for me, what what tends to to happen when I just kind of dive into this rabbit hole of nutrition information is to take a step back and think about whether or not the information that I've just read or absorbed will actually improve the quality of my life. Is this actually going to help me? And sometimes that's just a matter of experimenting. I think for a lot of women, they like the the reason why they end up going on diets is just to experiment to see if it works. 
So like I have experimented with, for example, going higher protein, higher fat to see if that helps with my insulin resistance. And in some degrees it it does, but at the same time, I also notice that if I'm not eating enough carbohydrates, I get really foggy. I don't have the energy um, to work or like go to a Pilates class, for example. So it's all about for me taking all the information that I've learned and then remembering that I'm a bio individual as we all are. And so really getting a grasp of whether or not that you know, whatever nutrition information we're talking about is actually helpful for my body. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important for a lot of women and men to remember too, that um, at some point, you know, the keto diet or, um, or low fat or, you know, whatever else is out there, like that maybe worked for one person. And then what happens is that be that that diet becomes trendy, and then all of a sudden, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are trying it, um, thinking that it's best for their body, when in fact it's actually not. Um, and so, I here's the thing: like, I'm all for if you want to experiment with eating a certain way, more power to you. But if you ultimately realize that you end up not getting your period or you don't have the energy to work or live your life. Um, or if it's just like detrimental to the like quality of your relationships or whatever it is, then eating that particular way is probably not best for your body. Mm-hmm. So I hope I answered your question, but I feel like I, <laughs> I, think I, you I did. you messed up. up. Okay. Okay. But whatever you said, it's very, very interesting. And I'm glad that you shared what you did, but you have brought up PCOS quite a few times now. And I would love for you to maybe talk about that more, some of your experiences with it. I know a lot of women listening probably can relate. Yes. So let's go back to when I was 15 years old. I still hadn't um, menstruated yet. And I thought that was weird. Like all of my girlfriends had already gotten their period for the first time. So my mom ended up taking me to the doctor. My pediatrician um, essentially had me do like a progesterone withdrawal. And I ended up getting my cycle about a month after I did this progesterone withdrawal. But even throughout high school, I got my period very irregularly. Interestingly enough, when I was running cross country, I would cycle every month. But when I was swimming, I would cycle about every other month. So even before I went on to birth control and I went on to birth control when I was 18 or around then like 17 or 18, um, I never really had like a totally regular cycle. And then I went on birth control for like a decade and that just masked all of my symptoms. I was taking obviously synthetic hormones and not having an actual period. And then when I went through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and I started learning more about those synthetic hormones and realizing I didn't want those in my body and went off of them, I didn't get my cycle for, gosh, I think it was three years. And that was when I went to the doctor. So this was back in 2017. So 2017 was when I was diagnosed with PCOS. And when I was diagnosed with PCOS, I... um, I didn't want to just be diagnosed with one by one doctor. I thought, okay, so one doctor has now diagnosed me with this, but maybe I just need to get a few more blood tests um, just to confirm. Right. 
And long story short, um, it is PCOS that I have. So I have, um, not to get too scientific, but I have pretty elevated AMH, which is the anti-malarian hormone. Um, and essentially the AMH, it naturally declines with age as the number of follicles in a woman's body drops. But women with PCOS typically have elevated AMH levels and that's likely due to like high levels of follicles um, in like early stages of development in a woman's body. So I have high AMH. And then the other thing that I have too is my um, LH to FSH ratio. So the luteinizing hormone to the follicle stimulating hormone. It Mine is about like a three to one ratio, which is also pretty high. Um, coupled with the fact that I have a very irregular cycle, it's like, okay, that's, that's PCOS. For a long time, I wasn't sure if it was actually amenorrhea, um, but I am very much um, at my body. I know that I'm at my body's natural set point. Um, I've, I've gained probably 20 pounds in the last few years, and I feel so, so comfortable and just so accepting of where my body is right now. Um, and I actually recently got some blood work done. So it's long story short, it's still PCOS that I have. But um, I will say the reason why I bring this up is because it is certainly possible to get misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, there are some women who get diagnosed with PCOS when it's not actually PCOS and they right. have amenorrhea. Um, and so if if you're listening to this and you're not sure if it's PCOS or if it's amenorrhea, um, finding an OBGYN or a gynecologist who you can have um, a very straightforward conversation with and just say, look, I'm not sure what this is and I want to get all of the routine blood testing done um, and then be able to really work with that practitioner after the blood work comes back. Because if everything comes back, quote, normal, it likely is amenorrhea. If you have elevated testosterone, elevated AMH, your you know LH to FSH ratio is off, maybe it is PCOS. Um, and so since 2017, um, I have been taking, um, you know, I have I have been taking supplements, but for me, it's also been lifestyle too. So making sure that um, I'm not overly stressed. I meditate every morning. I'm not exercising in a way that is you know, overtly stressing my body, which, which I used to, you know, five, 10 years ago, I was doing crazy amounts of exercise. And now I really listen to my body. I move intuitively. I have no problem taking rest days, if not multiple rest days in a row, because that's what my body needs. Um, the thing about PCOS is there's still so much research that's coming out and a lot that's still, I would say not unknown about it, but um, it's certainly not a there isn't a one size fits all um, way to, I guess, reduce your PCOS symptoms. Um, I have started eating under the care of a nutritionist that I've been working with who focuses on women with PCOS. I have started eating gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, and I feel great, honestly, eating that way. Um, but that's not for everyone. There are some women who can eat gluten and are able to you know, relieve themselves of their PCOS symptoms. So I would just say, if again, if you're someone listening who does have PCOS or think that you have PCOS, um, don't just, you know, read a book or listen to a podcast and just assume that that's what you need to do. Again, it's a matter of experimenting and see, seeing how your body reacts. Um, and I'm still totally on that journey. And I have had to really... Um, <laughs> 
give myself a lot of grace because I feel like with the women that I'm close with in my life, um, most of them don't have any hormone imbalances. Most of them get their period regularly. And so I've lived in this state of like, why me for so long? Like my mom doesn't have it. My sister doesn't have it. Um, and it's not genetic, but I've, I've really struggled with that until recently that I've just started um, accepting the fact that this, you know, these are the cards that I've been dealt. And for me to try and fight that for the rest of my life makes no sense. Instead, what I've started to, to do in changing my mindset is just embracing it. You know, whether you have PCOS or whether you have amenorrhea, um, embrace that that, you know, is, is what you're, you know, going through. Um, and that there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong with you. And I thought that there was something wrong with me for so long. Um, and it's not that there's anything wrong with me. It's just that these are the cards I've been dealt. And it's a matter of committing, like you said, to, to healing my body. And that's where I am now. Yeah, I am honestly so happy that you brought up the fact that there's nothing wrong with us because even on my personal journey, I am committed to getting my period back and really focused on that. But at the same time, I'm almost just like embracing and accepting of the fact that I don't have my period yet. And I'm just doing the things that is going to support my body in getting it back, but it's not like I'm chasing after it because I feel like if we go about our health in that fix-it mentality, that's really not the most um, beneficial way of approaching our health. Yeah, I completely agree. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, progress isn't linear. I have months where I feel like my hormones are balanced. And then I also go months without getting my cycle. And instead of being frustrated with my body, um, I've really just learned to accept the fact that this is the journey that I'm currently on. I don't need to compare it to anyone else. And um, my body will heal itself in time. And who knows, maybe I will end up having PCOS for the rest of my life. But at the same time, I don't let it consume my identity. And I think that that's another really important thing to bring up that, you know, whether you're dealing with an eating disorder or it's PCOS or it's endometriosis, like what, or a thyroid, maybe you have Hashimoto's, whatever it is, we tend in the moment, like when we get that diagnosis to just let it consume our entire lives and let it consume our identity. When in fact, I am a wife and I'm a sister and I'm a career woman and I'm all of these other things. I'm not just someone who has PCOS. Yes, that is a part of who I am, but it's not everything. And I'm sure you can agree, like you getting your period back, it's not your entire life. It's part of it for sure. And it's something that you are consciously working on every single day, but there are all these other things in your life that you are doing and that you are a part of that actually make up your identity. Totally. And I was honestly just thinking about this the other night. And that's why I'm taking the approach that I'm taking. Because once I do get my period, like what's going to happen? Like I I have my period, but I'm not 
Meg someone else, right? right? I'm like still me. (laughs) Right. And I think that's what a lot of us forget when we are on these healing journeys or even like eating disorder recovery, like things like that. You're still the same person once you get to where you're going type thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I could honestly talk to you forever and I'm so anxious (laughs) that I'm seeing we're getting to the end of the show. But one more thing that I do want to make sure that you talk about because I remember way back when um, you posted about this on Instagram, just loving your body. And I know you're a huge advocate for just loving your body. And you also mentioned that you have, like me, gained 20 pounds for your health. And I know my listeners love when I talk about accepting weight gain for health and embracing my body and just kind of like body love, body positivity, and even body neutrality. They love all of that. So if you could talk about your journey with accepting the body that you're in and the weight gain that you have experienced for your health. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing to mention with weight gain, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you're going to wake up and be 20 pounds heavier the next day. It doesn't happen like that. So if you are someone who is in the back of your mind, coming to terms with the fact that maybe you do need to gain a little bit of weight to, or a lot of weight to get back to your set point. Um, the first, I guess the first recommendation or suggestion I have is to not freak out about the fact that it's going to happen tomorrow because it's not, it's going to happen progressively over time. And you will have days where you struggle with that. Like, let's just be real. Um, any change, whether it's in your body or you move houses or you move cities or you change relationships, like change in itself can be really terrifying. But what's always helped me like from, you know, years ago when I decided to, when I decided to embark on this journey was feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Because if we live our lives from this state of always being fearful of what might happen, nothing will actually happen. (laughs) Like no, like change isn't going to happen. Um, So for me, just staying true to that, that notion or that, that mantra of feeling the fear and doing it anyway has been really helpful. I've also let myself just feel and cry and have whatever emotion it is on those days where I do feel uncomfortable in my body. Um, I think it's really important to honor those days and to embrace the messiness because again, that journey is not, that's not perfect. (laughs) You're not going to wake up one day and just be like, I love my body and I love it every minute of the day. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to love my body. Like if that's you, oh my goodness, like more power to you. (laughs) But I think the reality of the situation is that um, you're going to have days where you feel a little bit uncomfortable in your skin. One thing that was really helpful for me when I would have those days where I would put on my leggings and they just felt really tight, I decided, you know what, this is going to be donated. So I, every few months would make piles of clothes that I was like, I'm going to take this to goodwill. I'm going to donate these clothes because I have no desire to try and fit in them. I'm not going to fit in them again. And I would so much rather feel comfortable. So 
I would kind of, I would take myself on a little mini shopping spree um, and wear clothes that actually fit me. And it's like, I'm sure you can agree. It's wild when you put on jeans or pants or a sweater or whatever that like actually fits you and you're not suffocating it. Yeah. You just feel that much more comfortable in your skin, <laughs> I you know? know? Oh, I do know. There's so many women that reach out to me and tell me about how like uncomfortable they are and their clothes not fitting. And it's like, then just don't wear those clothes. Like, right, I, right. Seriously, I mean, I am so fortunate to work from home, but I just wear, I wear like garbage same. clothes right, all same. day. And <laughs> I feel like that has a huge reason to do with like why I'm so chill about all the weight that I've gained over the past couple right. of months because I honestly kind of don't notice it because I'm just wearing like these like, big clothes that I right, notice it. Right. The other thing too, and I'm so glad that there's been in the, in recent years, this movement towards body positivity and body acceptance is really having like at your fingertips, women or men that you look up to that when you are having a day of not feeling comfortable in your skin that you can hop over to their Instagram page. Or if you've written down something that they've said that you have all of that, like right at your fingertips when you need that inspiration and that motivation. I mean, I can list off of the top of my head, so many women who have been so helpful for me in my journey that either know me or have no idea who I am, but they have been so inspirational, um, because of the way that they talk about their body. Um, on social media. And it's been so encouraging to see other women talk about their journeys. And in turn, it's inspired me to do that. I think it's also inspired you to do that. So you never know, um, you know, who, who you're going to impact positively when you, when you talk about, you know, your weight gain. Um, but anyway, again, I think that having, having your role models, you know, sort of right at your fingertips and making sure that also in in real life, so not on social media, that you are spending time with people who are body inclusive. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, spend your time with women who don't, you know, body shame, or don't talk about stepping on the scale and, you know, gaining X number of pounds, like that can be really toxic. And so in the last few years, I've also really worked on cultivating friendships and relationships that really empower me because none of us should be spending time with people that that bring us down um, or that make us feel uncomfortable in our bodies. And you owe it to yourself to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who do lift you up and do empower you because that makes all the difference, like all the difference. I know we talked about self-care before and I feel like that is one of the best forms of self-care is making sure that your circle of friends are like body positive and really supportive of you and your journey. So, so happy that you brought that up and you mentioned inspiring women and you definitely are inspiring all of the women listening to this show. And I know they're going to want to come find you, interact with you. And I highly recommend your Instagram feed. Just, I love it so much. So where can everyone find you, sweetheart? Yes. So on Instagram, it's just wellness with Edie and same with my website. It's just wellness with Edie. But, um, if anyone ever wants to send me an email or, um, 
get in touch with me. We can even leave my email in the show notes if you want. Um, I'm a, I'm a total open book and, um, and I want women to be able to reach out if they have questions about anything, whether it's related to body positivity or PCOS or any part of my journey at this point. Like I'm such an open book and I'm happy to answer any questions. Yeah, I love you so much. And I do have one more question that yes. I ask all of my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Okay, so I have listened to so many podcast um, episodes that you have recorded with women. And I love that you asked this question and the response is different every time. And I was thinking about what my response to this would be um, earlier. And I think that for me, being unbreakable is actually, it's really letting go of perfection. It's letting go of putting yourself on this pedestal and having to, um, to do everything right. Um, it's about taking that pressure off of yourself and, um, and letting that pressure go and allowing yourself ultimately to break. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we need to remember that, um, we all have our days where we do feel emotional and we struggle with things. And that is a, that is perfectly normal. It's a part of the human experience. It's part of feeling things, right? Um, and so for me to be unbreakable, it's actually accepting the fact that um, that we all break to various degrees, but it's really about how you pick yourself up after you break. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, it's really most important. So I think yeah. that would be my response. And well, your response is beautiful, just as you are. Yeah. So thank you yeah. so much for this amazing chat, sweetheart. Like I said, I could just keep chatting with you, but we'll we'll chat again. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much, Meg. 